track again, y'all. Welcome in to an edition of the Denver Nuggets Elite Podcast that should have happened probably two weeks ago, but we are back. The show lives, TJ. We're still alive. You want to know who is almost not living? Boban, after almost dying and killing over in the fourth quarter, he played for so damn long. What a freakish game tonight was. This was a game, you said earlier, TJ, it felt like three different games packed into one. That's hard to disagree with, man. We'll break it all down. But yeah, what a bizarre first half. Didn't feel like the important game that it was. Then the Nuggets turn it on to start the third. Of course, Boban carries the Clippers to to an absolutely improbable 19-point comeback. Tough loss for Denver. Probably the worst loss of the year. Let's just start from the beginning because just getting into the facility and all of a sudden realizing like, wow, the crowd's kind of thin for this game. Like, wow, there's a weird vibe in here. Wow, the Nuggets are really sloppy to start. Like, from the very beginning, from the get-go, things felt off, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean... We've seen the Nuggets play a lot of games that had a sort of playoff game-like atmosphere recently in these last few weeks, and you're thinking, okay, it's a flat performance against Houston. What else is new? They're going to come back in this huge game against the Clippers. They're going to play well. They're going to play in front of an energetic crowd. That's what I thought was going to happen. The arena was mostly empty, and it was pretty much dead quiet for the first five minutes of the game. It was bizarre. I, I I cannot remember a game where it was just like, wow, there's playoff implications. It's a national TV game. Paul Millsap is coming right. back. Paul Millsap it was just return. Nothing was happening. Right. It was bizarre. So the Nuggets come out sloppy, obviously. They, I think they. I think in the first four minutes of the game, they turned it over three times. and only Jamal Murray had three turnovers in the first quarter alone. And they only made two field goals. Yeah, in that first yeah I tweeted minutes, that so. out at one point. They, they started two of six and then went like eight of ten directly yeah. after. Now, now, directly after, and this catalyst, this catalyst being Paul Millsap was subbed into the game, yes. checked into a huge ovation from from what was there of the Nuggets faithful, <laughs> and uh, from that point forward, the Nuggets really took control in the first half, and it wasn't necessarily what Millsap was doing, but just that was the catalyst. There was energy in the crowd. The team started to play well. Everything picked up from there, and as we headed into the second half, TJ, it really started to feel like... This is going to be a nice one for Denver. It did. Let's stick with Paul Millsap for a second because I felt like he came in and, man, the jitters were there. It was funny because he was asked about like, – so Katie Wingy, um, she's the sideline reporter for the Nuggets, does an incredible yeah, job. she's definitely awesome. go, Definitely go follow her. But she asked him, she was like, what, what were the nerves like? You said how you came in and you were already so just emotional when you showed up this morning for shoot-around. What was that like? He was like, well, Malone told me I was coming in at the 6.30 mark. So I already knew. So the anxiety was worse because of that. So he saw 6.30 come around. He gets in about the 6-minute mark. No, it was 5.57 on the dot. And the Nuggets proceed to go on a 20-8 to run, even though Paul Millsap was not at his best. It right. was very clear he was rusty, which is fine. He's missed 100 days to the dot. So... When that happens, you you still saw the glue. You saw what really pulled everything together. And you see there's defensive flashes. The offense is functioning. And it just ran. And I loved the rebounding. Even though he only had You're one right. hand, he had a great rebounding first half. Um, yeah, but that, that left hand, by the way, I don't, I don't want to say useless. That's probably too harsh. But he does not have full range of motion. And when you watch him warm up, um, I don't think Millsat needs two hands to make an impact on an That's NBA game. That's how damn good he is. But he was playing with one. But yeah, he rebounded really, really well. And the Nuggets are one of the best rebounding teams in the league. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. So while we're sitting there in the first half and the Boban experience had yet to begin, oh, I was sitting experience. there feeling so good about 
the Nuggets' chances of being perhaps the most dominant rebounding, at least offensive rebounding team in the league with Millsap back. So yeah, he was great, man. And, and we got a glimpse of what this team can be, what this team was supposed to be from day one. And I think the big story of the first half was the fact that they would go on these big runs to end the quarter and then immediately give a few points back at the yeah. end of the quarter. And Michael Malone was furious. Like, he was livid about the fact that you go out down on one end and Wilson Chandler gets a layup. There's three seconds left at the end of the first quarter and then uh, and then Lou Williams goes coast to coast in three seconds and gets a bucket. Like, that's demoralizing. That tears the heart of a team who had positive momentum. The Nuggets were just annihilating at the uh, the Clippers by the end of the first quarter, they end up winning the quarter 33 to 24, but it should have been more than that. You go into the second quarter and they give a six Oh run up immediately to start the second quarter to them. Then they battle back, you know, do their thing and well, they end up run. They followed that with. Apparently. Yeah. an eight Oh, yeah. an eight Oh run. And they end up losing the quarter by three because they gave up another bucket at halftime again. And help me out. I'm trying to remember the, the quote Malone gave us in, in the post game here. I think he was saying you need to approach every possession the same way. And the Nuggets just aren't doing. Yeah, that yeah. Right he, now. So I actually tweeted out. He said, "You need to treat. Or he, you need to approach the game where you value every possession. We did not value every possession, which is what it came down to. And he's correct. They let off the gas. So with that being said, let's jump to the third quarter because there was such a mixed bag. Yeah. The third quarter was just complete chaos because Paul Millsap comes in and oh my God, gangbusters, man! The defense was awesome. He was flying around. He was getting buckets. He was just, he was everywhere. Yeah, the defense looked great to start that quarter. Let, let, let's stick with that. Let's talk about this defense for a second sure. because I think it's important because while everything in this game was so chaotic, and yes, they gave up 122 points, which is just terrible, Oof. but you give up 41 in the fourth quarter, and every other quarter you don't, you don't give up more than 30. So they played good defense the majority of this game. Paul Millsap, Wilson Chandler, and Gary Harris, which is likely the starting two, three, and four when everyone is healthy and going forward, they were a functional, coherent, cohesive on a line defending team and it looked really really good Jamal Murray was even shutting guys down in this game yeah that was the type of defense we saw to start the year I think people forget already but that, the offense was still there too right. that's what was so glorious to watch about this well that was sort of the difference between this version of the Millsap Nuggets and the, the version we initially saw so yes. to start the year the Nuggets actually did make that leap from like a bottom of the barrel defense to middle of the pack yeah 15th the, 16th 17th area right and that was the improvement of Harris the presence of Millsap and of course Chandler Chandler at the three. The problem was they weren't really doing things correctly on offense. They weren't playing through Jokic. Okay, here in the third quarter, they got that stellar defense, and then what did they do on offense? They played through Jokic. Yes, they did, and I... it was crazy because Wilson Chandler is an entirely different human since coming back from basically since once the trade deadline ended he has been a different person on the court and his defense tonight no matter who he was covering I thought was top notch and when you can get top notch defense from Will, from Wilson Chandler you get Gary Harris being disruptive and Paul Millsap just doing what he does yeah. he's just so smart so aware that it's almost like you have an additional defender on the floor because he's stunting down whenever someone gets in the lane he's closing out with reckless abandon but also rotating the next guy and helping the helper. Everything that he does, it makes him feel like there's an additional player on the court. It's almost like they have six defenders. His ability to help virtually anyone on the floor without losing sight of where his guy is, is impeccable. And I love watching him play alongside Jokic on defense. It reminds me of like an older brother following a younger brother around the schoolyard. (laughs) It's true. He's like, I can take care of my own, but I got to keep an eye on this guy just in case he needs some help. Yeah, no, the defense looked awesome, man. And actually even thought, 
Will Barton played some decent defense tonight too. I agree with that. He was he was in an ultra intense Mm -hmm. mode tonight, and it it ended up tailing off in the second half. But everything fell apart. So let's just get to what everyone wants to talk about. Did you have something else you want to say? Well, I just wanted to note that the third quarter, the first half of it, the defense looked so good, the offense looked great, and that was Jokic going to town. He actually didn't take a single shot in the first half of this first quarter. He took a shot in the second quarter, but he had zero points at halftime. Zero points. Yeah, it was a weird half from him. Of course, he picked up those two fouls early. Really weird. From Jokic in a game that they needed, but in the third quarter he turned it on. He scored ten points in like the first six minutes. Yeah. I think he finished with thirteen points 13 in the quarter. Points, yeah, and at one point Doc Rivers tried to adjust to that, and he made the wrong adjustment. He started double teaming Jokic after the ball had gotten to him down in the post. Now, if you follow this Denver team, you know they really <laughs> struggle with post entry, and you know how good Jokic is passing out of that situation. So you really never want to do that. You have to do your work to deny him the ball. Once he gets it that low, it's game over. Once you double team him, he's gonna. To make you pay and he did in the third quarter and that's the thing is that DeAndre Jordan and Boban or whoever or Montrezl Harrell whoever was on him was keeping him out of the paint to a degree he was more at the high post but they kept sending doubles at him yeah. in the third quarter and he was dissecting the Clippers at surgical that point. precision he's so good and so when he gets doubled in the post all of that added up to the Nuggets pushing their lead to a game high of 19 19, 19 points and just a little over halfway through the third quarter and then and then the Boban experience became very real. He came into this game and there was a 30 to six run going from the end of the third quarter to starting the fourth 30, 30 to, six. to six. That is a stupid number. Boban in his first seven minutes was a plus 22. He was, he was a plus 27 off the bench in 15 minutes tonight, 18 points for five for eight from the field, six rebounds. And the nuggets had no answer for him in the third TJ or the fourth. The fourth quarter is where I want to get. Well, let's start with the very end of the third quarter. So the Nuggets are getting beaten to a pulp. And they were. They were just getting slammed at the end of the third quarter. Michael Malone takes what I believe was his second to last timeout at the. No, it was, the, it was his third to third last, to last timeout, timeout with 34 seconds remaining in the third quarter. There is no reason to waste a timeout when there is only 35 seconds left in the quarter because you have a stoppage of play coming up. You're going to need that timeout in a game that was extremely close at that point. And this was classic Malone. One of the valid criticisms of Malone is the way he takes his timeouts. I liked what you said to me earlier tonight. It's almost as if he takes them when he's upset, right? Not necessarily when the team needs one, but when he needs to blow some steam off. And like you said, 30 seconds left in the quarter, that's really indefensible considering how many he had called already in the first Yeah, half. so I actually asked him about it after the, after the end of the game. Yeah, he, he was happy about that. Yeah, I about got throat <laughs> punched by Michael Malone tonight, but <laughs> at the same time, it, it, it was important to ask because Malone was talking about how much they struggled to end quarters, so I asked him, is that why you took that, that time out into the third? And he got so flustered and frustrated, not with the question that I asked. It was because he was like, there were so many things that were infuriating to me at that point. That tells you that it was his frustration And this is the thing. I want to make sure this is known. Michael Malone's aggression and his passion and his intensity has rubbed off on this Nuggets team. You need that kind of explosive intensity when you want to take the next step as a team. So there is a time and a place for that type of mentality. With 35 seconds to left in the third quarter with only three timeouts left is not the time to be frustrated and take those kinds of timeouts. Yeah, absolutely. And when that happened, they go to the fourth quarter. They had to take a timeout at one point and so he takes it with about eight minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That means for nearly Nearly nine minutes, the Nuggets only had one singular timeout left, and that is when Boban became just 
a monster. He was a phenom. There was nothing you could do to stop him. Other than maybe like calling a timeout and making an adjustment. <laughs> oh, wait, but you couldn't because you only had one left in a close game with playoff implications. So when you blow a 20-point lead at home, obviously a large part of this falls on the shoulders of the players. But tonight is one of those nights where I do think it is fair to say Malone cost them to a certain extent. Yeah, so Malone is mu- as much in this blame as the players are for blowing the 20-point lead because when Boban started doing whatever the hell it was that Boban did, the Nuggets just didn't have an answer. There was like seven minutes straight where it was just Lou Williams, Boban, high pick and roll over and over and over and over and over. And if he wasn't scoring at, at the rim, he was getting fouled and scoring from the free throw line. Yeah. He went seven of seven at one point from the free throw line, finally missed one, and then hit two more. Yeah. Like, it was just it was inconceivable that this was what was happening. Yeah, I forgot going into this game, TJ, that Boban is actually the best basketball player of all time. Listen, I am opening the MVP candidacy for Boban Marjanovic right now. He's got my vote. Yeah, he, I, I'm in. He and Joffrey Laverne. Can we talk about really quickly this dynamic where <laughs> anytime someone comes into this. the Pepsi Center, the least likely candidate this. has a career game? I don't want to talk about this it at is all. so strange. Like, the amount of times over like watching Denver Nuggets basketball for like five years now of just like backup power forwards annihilating the Denver Nuggets like I just can't handle it anymore I am starting to understand the frustration that fans feel like, like I, I did not life is a thing now right yeah, like dude, you're starting to get there I, I did not root for this team my whole life and I'm really glad that I don't <laughs> now that I sit here it could be infuriating as Malone like to say over and over and over again but I want to go back to Boban because everyone was like well what do you do what do you do you couldn't stop him like how do you fix that Malone's decision to fix it was to go to Mason Plumley, which in a vacuum you put your more physical stronger center on the bigger center sure in a vacuum that's fine doc rivers with a master stroke of a move just started hack a plumley yep and that was immediately what ended the ability for michael malone to continue doing that so what do you do and i have a very simple answer for this hit me with it you just run pick and rolls right back at boban run boban right off the floor right there was a point where wilson chandler went through him and launched him to the floor basically and it took boban a solid like it seemed like 45 seconds to get up not because he was hurt not because his body is so gangly that it takes forever to get up he was just so damn tired tired yeah so why weren't they just hitting him over and over again this is the thing they were forcing switches on him and the point guards were going at him like gary harris was getting at him jamal murray was getting at him jamal murray was almost going away from the contact he understood the length was so overwhelming that it's of just going into him trying to tire him out and draw fouls because Boban is like historically one of the highest foul rates ever for the time that he plays on the floor he was trying to fade away from him to get shots up and over him that's not the way to play against Boban and Michael Malone if he would have had timeout could have slowed the guys down and told them this and that's that's why hey, the timeout him. is so important let's make this guy run let's make this guy make decisions yeah. on defense like yeah. let's let's run more one five two five pick and rolls with Nikola Jokic and force him to work because you could have played him off the court that tonight you you absolutely could have played them off. So the Clippers don't just eliminate the 19-point lead. They actually push their own lead up to eight, I believe. Yeah, 30-6 to six run. Yeah, and so as the Nuggets are wont to do, they fought, TJ. Oh, even, they fought. Even when blowing a lead like this, this team doesn't quit. So should we talk about that final play a little yeah, bit? Yeah, well, let's talk about both because Gary Harris hit a clutch three-pointer. Like, oh, yeah. Michael Malone took his final timeout with about 37 seconds left, and it was a call where I was like, I don't know if I would have taken a timeout that early if the game's going to be this close. Granted, it was the correct decision because yeah. Gary Harris comes out of that timeout and hits a huge three to make it a one-possession game. Uh, free throws get missed. The Nuggets go back down, make it a one-point game at one point. 
Um, it just wasn't enough. And Jamal Murray comes down the court when it is, I believe, a two-point game because Austin Rivers missed a free throw. Correct. And he hits a three fading, but Doc Rivers, again, with his fantastic coaching night, told his team to foul early, so, and they did. Quick correction. So that actually came after they fouled Lou Williams, and he sank both. So oh, that's, my bad. So my bad. Eight, but that's when Rivers decides to to foul in, and instead of letting them shoot the three, which was somewhat of a curious decision because Jamal Murray is not missing those free throws. Yeah, but, it, but at the same time, you force him to take two and not get three points right. out of it. I would rather Jamal get two points instead of giving him an opportunity to get three to tie the game. I get that and yet somehow I was sitting there thinking if you're rooting for the Nuggets it, it, I didn't like their chances of finding an open three without a timeout and I'm thinking okay Murray's gonna hit these free throws and then you got a chance to foul someone not named Lou Williams so I in a set I get it I'm not saying it was yeah. the wrong call I just thought it was an interesting point in the game it was and what was even more interesting is that as the foul occurs, Jamal Murray pulls up and hits the three fading to his left. Yep. And because of the continuation rule, which is no longer in effect for some players, let me make this very <laughs> clear, for some players, all of a sudden, the three does not count and it ends up being a two free throw foul because they were in the bonus and the Nuggets have a one point deficit, not tie game. And I thought that was the right call, by the way. It that, is the right call. Yeah. In a vacuum, that was done correctly. It is so infuriating when players like James Harden get that call every single time, though. Right. And I'm not one to bash officiating very very often like I'm usually very very good about that I've played sports my whole life I'm very I understand that there were so many things the Nuggets could have done to win this game and it right. does not it fall on the officiating yeah. but at the same time man would it be nice to have some consistency in that officiating certainly but they don't call it Murray hits the free throws and Doc Rivers uses his final timeout the Nuggets foul Austin Rivers who does break the first hits the second so Nuggets ball with about seven seconds left down to no timeouts Murray has the ball and he tries to take it the whole way he drives draws two and he claims he was fouled who knows like Malone said they're probably not going to call it in that situation at the end of the day Murray loses the ball another turnover for the Nuggets I believe it was like their 20th uh, they finished with 20 20 on the night yeah so uh wow look let's, at you recap master go beer. it's almost <laughs> like I watched the game um and yeah and the Nuggets lose the game so I asked Malone after the game what he thought of that moment if he was comfortable with Murray with the way Murray approached the possession and he was quick to laud the confidence of a 21-year-old. He said, again, like you got to love having a guy that young who wants the rock in that moment, who's willing to go make something happen. But he had a quote that I loved. There's a difference between making the play and making the right play. And he was dead on. Murray draw, drew two. Jokic was open. And uh, Malone wishes he had passed the ball, which would have been the correct play. But obviously, it's so hard to when everything comes down to seven seconds like that, it's easy to to sit here and say, this is why they lost. The Nuggets had four quarters to play better basketball. Yes, they did. They had essentially three different games, it felt like. That's really what it to, felt like, because they were sloppy yeah. to start, and then you had the Millsap experience, and where everyone goes to just roll in. Like, when you look at the point differential like you just had up on the box score at NBA.com, you see Nugget, or you see red for the for the Clippers, where like, they did great to start the first quarter, then it's this sea of yellow, where the Nuggets were just blowing the life out of them, and it was so much to do with their defense and Paul Millsap, and then the Boban experience happens it's wild like, it was literally three separate games it felt like it really it really did and so let's talk about the implications tj well i, I want to go back to what you said about jamal murray real quick oh, one sure. last thing uh, i really like that michael malone caped for nikola Jokic to get the last shot me too because anybody who has watched this nuggets team feels like jamal murray's the lead guard he's the guy you want to rely on for the last shot he's the alpha which is a term that gets thrown around way too often in the nba in my opinion so 
when you have all those optics and Michael Malone's like, no, like our best player is Nikola Jokic. He was open. You should have made that pass. I think that's an important thing to state. Me too. But I also think Malone, just as a coach and a coach's son, that could have been Jokic. That could have been Torrey Craig. That was an open dude. That was the right basketball play. I wonder if it would have been different. I don't. I, I don't think he would have had the same response if it was Wilson Chandler for okay. per se. No, but at the same time, you know, that's just complete speculation at this point. Right. So, what were you about to say though? Well, this is just you know, I, I did like that he shouted out Murray's confidence though, because at the same time, right, if Murray doesn't lose the ball and he drives and he hits that shot, yeah, then we're sitting matter. here talking about how ballsy that twenty-one. And we're talking is. about what a resilient team this is. They almost threw it away, but still found a way to get out a yeah. win. But instead, we're talking about. Perhaps the most disappointing loss of the year. I think it is the most disappointing loss. Of the that's year. Fair so to let's say. get into these optics. Yeah, the Nuggets lead by 19 and and lose the game. The Nuggets are on national TV and lose the game. The Nuggets get Paul Millsap back in his return and lose the game. The Nuggets lose the tiebreaker against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are very much so right next to Denver because they are now ahead of Denver in the standings, being that the Nuggets have now fallen out of the playoff picture. Yeah, so they're out of the playoff picture. They don't That's have a the tiebreaker with the team right ahead of them. But TJ, what did we talk about before the All Star break? What did we talk about with optics with this team? Is that it's going to change every single damn day? That's right. Over and over and over and over again. Because what are they like three losses out of the so three yeah, seed? The Nuggets are the nine seed right now at thirty three and twenty eight. So they're five games above five hundred. They are three games out of the four seed, three and a half out of the three seed. <laughs> this they're is in the nine seed <laughs> and they're within like five days of getting right back into yeah, home court. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So look, keep me away from talk radio tomorrow, TJ, because <laughs> you're gonna be on at like six AM. So oh yeah, you I'm are literally going gonna to be, be talk on radio. talk radio. Get ready for some nuance. Here early comes the, in the hot morning. take vote. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna hear doom and gloom. Malone's got to go if they don't make the playoffs. All of that may may be true. And as of this moment, they are out of the playoff race. They're out. They're they're not in the playoff picture. I should say. But give it a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I got another thing to say. For every damn fan in my mention saying that they should fire Malone, there is 20 games left, and they are three and a half games out of the three seed. Yeah, that does more harm than it does good. I uh, mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to yeah. even think about that, in my opinion. But, I, you know, look, it's it's an interesting discussion, and we don't have to do it right now on the podcast, but, but I get it. Like, Michael Malone was brought in to help reestablish this, uh, a winning culture in Denver following the Brian Shaw era, which was largely unsuccessful. Oh, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. One, and, two, three, six weeks. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and to help this young team buy in. He did that. And oh, that's yeah. why the Nuggets are in the position they're in. There will come a time where they n- might need to make a change in terms of some of the X's and O's stuff. We don't know if that time, obviously it's not right now in the middle of the season. If they miss the playoffs, that discussion needs to be had. Um, tonight, we, we know this. Malone didn't manage this game as well as he could have. Nope. And I also want to say this, though. Michael Malone is a very young head coach in his own right, and he has improved every single year. Yeah. He's also scary <laughs> after <laughs> yeah. a loss. Yeah. He's not happy when they lose games like this. Uh, one, I want to do a couple shout-outs on this real quick of players who were really good tonight that may be under Harold because of the loss. Gary Harris, after one of his worst games of the season, goes 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. He gets a rebound or two rebounds and assist and three steals. Leads the team with 23 points. It was a very good game from Gary tonight. Yeah. Defensively as well. Especially after sort of a quiet first half. And then Wilson Chandler was phenomenal on defense tonight. 7 of 14 from the field. He's 1 of 5 from 3, which really hurt. But still, he had 
eight rebounds and six assists as well. And then just to make things even more interesting, he fouled out at the very end of the game, which almost went completely blind. Like it almost wasn't even understood. But one thing I noticed when I look at the box score, people talked about what will happen to Trey Lyles once Millsap comes back. Malone talked about that before the game tonight for Lyles. Five minutes. Five minutes, no points. He played five minutes. He had, no, I believe he had, no, you're right. He had zero points. He was 0 of 3 from the field. Yeah. That's brutal. That doesn't help. No, and the bench struggle tonight. I mean, Paul, Paul Millsap was largely not part of the bench unit. He was really bridging the gap between the starters and the bench unit. But Mason Plumlee struggled in a lot of ways tonight. I thought I didn't think he was nearly as good as people make him out to be in terms of his defensive ability tonight. I thought he really struggled defensively tonight. And overall, though, it was a pretty good night from the starters. Jamal Murray, 7-11 from the field. Nikola Jokic was 4-5, of which was weird, but it was still a decent game overall. He finished with 18.6 rebounds and 4 assists. That's a good game for most people. And then I thought Wilson Chandler was just phenomenal. I thought his defense was top-notch. He was scoring when he needed to. He played his perfect role, in my opinion. So, ultimately, all for naught. It's a loss. Perhaps the worst one of the year. Good news is, TJ, while we're used to the following game, whatever that game is following, being like against the Spurs or the Celtics or the Warriors or the Thunder. <laughs> it's been a time, hellacious stretch. It's, it's, it's against the Grizzlies. Am I right on Friday? I believe you Let's are correct. up live on the podcast. I'm not looking. You can do this yourself. Yeah, I'm really tired. <laughs> so the Nuggets got to go get that one. I expect them to, but yeah. And this is the loss. thing too. The Nuggets are, are likely going to be right back in the eighth seed tomorrow after this Clippers team has to go on a back-to-back -back and play the damn Rockets. True. So there is there is there is hope. Hey, this is so, not the end um, all be all. Shouts to the listeners. Thanks for sticking with us. Sorry about that hiatus there. Uh, the pod lives. We're gonna keep these going. We're gonna get them going consistently. They are back, again. like back. officially back. We will be doing this at least three, four days a week, if not five or six. So we'll figure it out as we go along. It's going to be a very, very, very fun stretch coming up because anything can happen. You can go from the nine seed to the four seed, back to the seven seed, back up to the three seed. We have no idea how this is going to culminate, but I cannot wait to see what happens. Sports. Let's get out of here. I have to go order a Boban fathead. <laughs> I already have my jersey on the way, man. Perfect. It's going to be amazing. All right, we are out of here. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, guys. We'll talk to you soon.